From those in the know to those who need to know, this is the Indie Weekly Podcast. Now, uh, this particular show, we've got some special guests that have some history with Indie Week, and uh, it's a great story. Uh, I've I've been looking forward to this for quite some time, and uh, I'm going to share a little bit of the story, and then I'm going to let them introduce themselves and share the story. Uh, So it was some time ago, I can't remember the year, uh, but... Indie Week, we were at Tattoo Rock Parlor, which was on Queen Street, and we were having our finals. This is where we get to like select like what we fear is the best of the fest industry do, and we would take them to like Ireland or UK, and it's really cool. And uh, this act was like 15, 16, I think, years old, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the manager of the bar venue before soundcheck was like, we can't have this. And like, I had to fight and argue, like we are having this band perform tonight, or there just won't be an indie week tonight at your bar and you'll have no bar sales. Um, and then they argued about our beer sponsor. And I'm like, well, we need to have our beer sponsor. So luckily right before doors, they took out all the beer except for our beer sponsor. And they said yes to having uh, this band play. And uh, I'm going to let them talk about their experience from it because uh, I was really inspired by how professional they were, uh, how they carried themselves. And uh, we actually awarded a guitar at the end of that night. So uh, without further ado, our guests are Soft Cult, Phoenix and Mercedes. Uh, If you can, please introduce yourself and let's start, like, if you can share a little bit about your perspective of that story because uh it's something that uh we really really sort of hold dear uh here at indie week Uh, that's great i didn't know that you were literally fighting for us and you're like you let them play where there's no indie week like i had no idea that was what was going on behind the scenes so (laughs) it was and it was it was really heated i had to get the owner on the phone uh he was yelling at me Security was yelling at me. And, and this is part of running events, smoke and mirrors, smoke and mirrors in yeah. behind the scenes, in the back room. And nobody <laughs> knows. And people are like, how's it going? Great. It's amazing. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you kept it. It was a pretty good vibe by the time we got there. Like we had an awesome time. Um, and, you know, to be honest, being underage at that time and playing in venues, we were used to, you know, being like, oh, well, you can't be out mingling in the crowd you have to be like in the green room away from the booze which is why this was hilarious because we were in like the basement area but that's where like this whole other bar with booze was too so it was just kind (laughs) of like funny they're like lock the 16 year olds up in a room full of booze what could go wrong <laughs> but yeah no it was it was great um, we were stand-up citizens yeah. yes we didn't, we didn't take we've never done that. anything illegal in our whole never. lives <laughs> it, it, it was probably all the beer that they had to take out so that we could put our beer sponsor yeah beer. So, there was. you go <laughs> but it's a, it was a cool show and yeah like you said we got to actually win a guitar from it, which is like one of my all-time fave guitars, the Epiphone Special Edition SG. Um, yep, I, we recorded some pretty dope tracks with that one. So, yeah. Yeah, but I guess, yeah, we can introduce ourselves. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, yeah. I'm Phoenix and this is my sister Mercedes. And yeah, we're uh, in a band called Soft Cult. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, the band that played that show, that Indie Week show ages ago, was our other band, our Courage first band. My Love. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Courage My Love. And and so um, to sort of quickly fast forward, you guys did a lot of touring. You, you did, like, the experience you already have is is crazy. Can you just give a quick snapshot of from that point to now, and then we're going to talk about the last two years? Mm-hmm. So like at that point, I don't know if we did any touring before that, before the Indie Week showcase, but we definitely did after. Um, so we'd already, you know, uh, linked up with our managers, Chris and Nicole, who also, you know, in a really short period of time, you know, helped us find a label and we were officially like signed 
before we turned like 17, I think it was crazy. We got to do all these cool showcases and really like, you know, get experience playing shows, meeting people, especially in the Toronto scene. Uh, and then, yeah, the next step was just playing further and further away from home. So we toured first, uh, you know, North America, I guess. And then or actually I, the first like international show was in Japan, uh, <laughs> which was really crazy. And then we spread out to, you know, Europe and the UK and um, stuff like that. So since then, um, we're not encouraged my love anymore. And we just kind of started fresh with soft cult um, right when the pandemic happened. And we were actually on the road with Courage My Love and we were like, oh man, we have to come home. So we came home, we isolated. And then, you know, the future was kind of like just a blank slate at that point. And we weren't really sure what to focus our energy on. Yeah, we, we'd also, I guess like um, with, with Courage My Love, we'd been uh in like a record deal for a really long time and that deal had just kind of come to an end mm -hmm. and yeah like with like that can happen with a lot of like artists but I guess yeah our experience was like um we were kind of like sitting on a lot of music and mm -hmm. hadn't been releasing a ton of music uh and then that deal ended and it was like okay cool well now we're free to do whatever we want but like what do we do again <laughs> there was definitely like at you know we weren't sure whether we should keep grinding with Courage My Love, which we'd already been a band for like 10 years at that point, almost 10 years. And then, uh, yeah, it was scary. We didn't know whether we should keep grinding with it or just start completely fresh. But the pandemic, as bad as it was and still, I guess, is, it was like an equalizer in the sense of like, you know what? if there ever was a time to start over or start fresh, then I feel like 2020 was that time. So mm -hmm. we pretty much just stayed inside for a year and yeah. recorded and wrote songs and did videos and stuff. I, I love that you said equalizer, because that's a great perspective of it. It, everybody, uh, like uh, I joke about, you know, uh, you know, Dragon's Den. I was on a call with Jim, uh, Robert Hershevek. And he's like, this would never have happened. He's like, I'm in my shorts. I'm in my T-shirt. I'm in my living room. I would be in my office in a suit and you probably wouldn't get a chance to meet with me. But it's Zoom. So it's, it's kind of like we're all in everybody's living room right now. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that that's been very interesting because a lot of the walls of industry have come down. A lot of the doors have actually opened internationally like never before. Um, so like it's interesting that you said that so what was the point where you actually made that decision we're gonna change well it was like we had to be like we eased into it because I think it was tough at first to let go of something that we'd already invested so much time into um but it was exciting kind of being like you know what we've always wanted to you know have a project that's all about social commentary, political commentary. Naturally, we just like making darker, grittier music. And in our previous project, we were kind of straying away from that. So it was fun to go back to our roots and, and feel ourselves out a little more with, you know, what was coming naturally instead of like, oh, I need to write a song that will work on the radio and that like X amount of people will enjoy. It's like, we just kind of focused inward on what we wanted to do. And then honestly, once the first song was written, I think we felt better about it. And we were like, okay, this is what we want. Even if we don't reach, you know, a level of success that we we're hoping for, at least we're doing stuff that we enjoy doing. So I think yeah. after that first song, we, once we had the demo, we were like, okay, yeah, let's, let's go for it. <laughs> yeah. And writing that too, like, I still remember, uh, we were, kind of, yeah, I think we just like, we were writing lyrics and we kept kind of being like, oh, but we can't say it like that. And then we're, and then like, we'd think for a sec and be like, why not? Why? Actually, we totally can. <laughs> why yeah. not? But yeah, it's just funny. Like we had such a like leftover kind of thing that we had to get over about what we could and couldn't do with music and so yeah it just like 
having the time to actually sit down and be like, hey, I guess like get in tune with kind of ourselves again. Another thing that I, I felt music was pushing in this direction for a while, but it definitely exploded during the pandemic was the rules that we sort of were following with music. I don't think there really are rules anymore. Like it's almost now like the more out of the box you can be or the more original and unique you can be, the better it is and you're not trying to follow these trends and yeah I, I think a lot of artists that are winning right now are the ones that are kind of betting on themselves and being weird and uh you can tell the ones that have been really like percolating during the pandemic you know yeah and and do you have a I love what you guys are saying because it, it's you know uh or like it's honest and it's not fabricated um so do you feel that you kind of maybe had to go through you know what we call like the system the industry to kind of learn the rules to then know how to break them is that yeah. would you think that that's kind of a, a good observation i think yeah i think and do you ever need to have like constructs put in place you know what i mean it's like sometimes i wonder what our music would have become if we didn't have all these like invisible walls of what is okay to do and what's not okay to do. But you make a good point that knowing that they're there and then intentionally kind of going against that is cool too. Yeah. Cause you know, also what habits you don't want to fall into. Yeah. And we were like, like we said earlier, like we were like so young when we started. And so, yeah, we, we really had no clue like anything about the industry at all. So we're lucky we had like, two really good managers that they, they still manage us now. And like, they kind of were able to help us like stay away from like the truly uh, bad aspects of the yeah. industry. But yeah, like, I, I think, yeah, like we got an education going through certain, like certain uh, channels, I guess. And like, yeah, grinding it out on the road, definitely like, like interacting with like a major label and stuff. Like you learn a lot from doing that. So, and yeah, even the way things ended, it's like, we still got so many amazing opportunities that I feel like any, like, especially now that we're in the DIY scene mm -hmm. more, so many DIY artists would just kill for those opportunities or to have that much funding behind a band, you mm -hmm. know, it's like, so I think, going through that process has helped us also as creators because we're a little bit more aware of like what things cost and it's like you know especially with video stuff let's use that as an example do you really need to spend like 20 grand on a video probably not like if you have a really good idea and i know you know crews and everything like that are expensive but we found a way to do it with just the two of us and it's like kind of putting a lot more pressure on the concept and executing the concept as opposed to like all the other dressings around it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I know I was talking to Nicole about this. So you self-produced all your videos during mm -hmm. the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. And how many did you release? Every song we have has a video. So I, I don't know how we have like what 13 songs so, yeah, something, something like, like that, that. I don't know. yeah but a lot yeah <laughs> every every song has a video Phoenix actually in the room that we're in right now Phoenix um produced and recorded all the music and I directed and some of the time I shot the videos and I edited all the videos too so we just our like DIY mentality is it's like we just do like a bunch of jobs, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all jobs we enjoy doing. So. Right. And, and so uh, I'm going to say everybody should go to the YouTube channel and check those out. Cause I was really impressed. Like the, uh, the vibe I think is what's really important to like the visual aspect, but also just, there's a vibe that reflects in the music, but visually. And mm -hmm. I think, I think a part of the sort of magic that I see is that you've actually captured that because often the visuals don't match the sound. And, and I think there's a huge disconnect, but I feel that you guys have really captured that this time around. It's been great. Oh, thank uh, you. It's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, so when you, when you guys have done the videos, but also the, a couple of the other parts that you brought up was the social commentary. The lyrics are really well thought out, meaningful. Um, and also, 
uh, I noticed at the show, uh, you also have done zines. Mm-hmm. So can you sort of talk about one, like the message that you're trying to put out, but also how you're looking to distribute it? Because I, I saw the zines and I thought that's really cool because I'm old and that's how we did it back in the day when we were young. It was, it was really cool to see. That's what we loved is like that 90s um, zine culture, which, you know, we're trying to bring it back. And I think some other artists now too, I'm seeing more and more, but I love just having it in a physical format, you know, we do obviously have like an email, um, like we send out to our subscribers and you can check the zine out online for free. But if you want the physical copy, you can sign up and get it mailed to you. Phoenix does, you know, the art in it, that's all just like mixed media collage with, we just have glue sticks and scissors and scanners and that's how we do it. (laughs) And like, it's fun. It's like a nice, therapy at the end of the day (laughs) no it's really fun it's like arts and crafts and then yeah it's cool because um like uh, a lot of the zines uh it's kind of a good way to like touch on topics that we talk about in our lyrics but then like there's only so much you can really say poetically in like a like a three minute song or something so it's kind of nice to have like a zine to expand on certain things and get like deeper into it or educate in a way like if you are too educational I think in your lyrics they can come off as really like I don't know holier than thou Mm -hmm. or something but the zines are a great opportunity like you said to expand on a topic so if it's gender violence if that's the you know what the lyrics are about in a song then that month then that zine the entire zine will be dedicated to that and raising awareness, getting information out there and like resources. And uh, we also accept submissions too of art pieces. And the more the zine has grown, we've been getting more of those. And it's really cool to um, involve our fans and the people that support us that way too. It feels more like a community type vibe than just us like shoving stuff down people's throats, you know? I, I love that old school approach. Like, like uh, a couple of times I've brought up with artists, like fan clubs, you don't hear about that anymore. Everybody's talking community, 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 but in the music world, I just think fan clubs, because when you get to actually engage on an ongoing basis and build relationships and you know who your fan is, there's no barrier. And I, I think that that's the magic, you know, um, in saying that, you know, pandemic has been not good for most people but there is that time like you said that equalizes, but time to sort of cultivate relationships so if we can sort of talk about you know what's coming up for you guys because it's actually really exciting in in the very short period of time you've got over a million streams on spotify you've got i think it's one hundred sixty thousand followers monthly listeners sorry on spotify and yet, and you have tours coming up. So can you sort of talk about what's coming up next? Yeah, like I think for us, yeah, we have these tours coming up, which will be cool. Cause yeah, we've only gotten to play so far, like a handful four, of four shows. live shows. Yeah, that's all we've played. <laughs> but we've got a tour in the UK in, I think it's like 13 days we're going to the Yeah, UK. it's coming up. Yeah. Um, and then we have a show in Bangkok, which we're really excited about. And immediately following that, a USA tour. So we're going to be gone um, pretty much until the end of June. And uh, we're really excited because we haven't had the chance to really play live all that much since this band has started. Yeah. So there's that. And uh, I think like at the same time, we're going to be, yeah, like continuing on with the zine, trying to get that done while we're away. And then yeah, obviously working on new music too. So we kind of, we already started like recording that and uh, putting together like some videos and stuff. But yeah, just uh, that's pretty much it. Just basically like following the same trajectory that we did when we were in lockdown. So that's going to be interesting to see if we can keep it up. Yeah, keep up that work ethic while we're actually out in the world doing things. So, because our strategy this whole time has basically been to not let more than six weeks pass in between singles coming out. So the way that we were doing that was we just got this catalog of stuff ready so that it's all ready to go. Like the songs are 
ready, the videos are ready. And then, you know, Chris and Nicole help out with this like strategy of how to release things. And um, the team is like helpful with figuring out like, I guess the overall strategy, but to us, we just, our, our job is just to keep pumping out stuff, like keep making stuff. So we were pretty great about that in the beginning. And now that it's been getting busier, <laughs> like, and we're definitely falling behind, but um, that's still our goal is to just keep on having stuff that we can keep releasing consistently. And it's kind of like, we always use this analogy, like you're just throwing pasta noodles at a wall and then seeing what sticks. And if something sticks, then that's great. But if nothing sticks, you're still throwing noodles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're still, you're still, still like making stuff. Yeah, yeah. You're still like flexing that muscle. I think that's something too, for us that we never want to take too much time in between releases. Cause it's like, you can get like, I don't know the right word. Like you can get kind of like stagnant if you're not like just constantly writing and like I don't know it's kind of like you get rusty or something like you got to just keep writing all the time and then like and it doesn't give people a chance to like forget about you, you yeah know? you <laughs> have to just keep at it yeah. keep coming out with new stuff all the time especially in this day and age um yeah. now there's there's a lot of chat going on in the and I'm trying to get caught up here in the sidebar but one person was asking about uh, what are your major influences? Uh, they say they get major Silver Sun pickups vibes, but it would be cool to hear from you. What what are some of your uh, influences? And maybe how would you describe your music for those that haven't heard it yet? Yeah. Oh, oh man. I mean, we love Silver Sun pickups. Yeah. So thanks. That's like awesome. I love them so much. We we're like Riot Girl influenced in terms of the you know what this band is, what we stand for. So, you know, Bikini Kill, Bratmobile, artists like that. But I think musically, it's leaning a little bit more towards shoegaze and dream pop and mm -hmm. grunge, I guess. Yeah. Um, we try and throw some indie in there. But yeah, like, I, we just love guitar music so much. So I love like Radiohead, Cocteau Twins, My Bloody Valentine, um, Sleater Kinney. Mm -hmm. Veruca Salt <laughs> yeah and like I think for me yeah like Nirvana and Deftones and a bunch of those like I guess you could call them like grungy or like alternative bands I yeah just love that production style a lot so that's kind of Nine Inch Nails Nine, oh my god yeah Nine Inch Nails <laughs> Phoenix is literally like our Trent uh, <laughs> <laughs> <If only. laughs> but yeah I think that's pretty much our vibe that we go for mm -hmm. That's, that's awesome. And I, I would definitely say, like, I, I hear Shoegazer, which is kind of like what I grew up listening to a, a fair bit, um, which it's nice to see because I feel it's refreshing compared to what's out there right now. Um, sort of more lush kind of guitar sounds and, and ability to sort of build on tones and things like that. Um, there's another question here. How does it feel to have total control of your art? And what are some of the hurdles that you are encountering? Ooh. The, it feels amazing. Like it's what we've always wanted. And I feel that now it's like fully realized. We know who we are. We know what we want to say and we know how we want to say it. So in terms of writing, it's never been easier. Mm -hmm. I don't want to like speak for both of us, but I feel like that the songs are just flowing out. Like I don't have this doubt that I had before. And the biggest, um, I guess uh, obstacle is just to keep pushing yourself to be productive because now there's no one else that you can really like if you're doing everything yourself you can't really blame anyone else so there's no like no one else holding you back but yourself mm -hmm. so you have to keep yourself accountable for the work that you get done how much you how much time you spend on it and how much you put into it and for us that's where it's been a blessing yeah. and a curse because we love it and I would never like this is my dream yeah but we can get unhealthily kind of like staying up all night working on stuff and yeah just, yeah <laughs> we, and it's cool because yeah I feel like the more we do it we learn how to do things faster and like more efficiently but definitely oh my gosh like yeah like at the start of 
of doing it ourselves there'd be just so many all-nighters and like youtube tutorials yeah. like, how do i actually do this i've never done this before yeah but that's the good thing is if you do it consistently you do learn these little like hacks and tricks that they can help you like do things faster and better so yeah yeah I don't know. I think that's probably for, for us, that's the biggest hurdle is just like keeping at it at a good pace kind of, but. So do you guys have sort of like a routine to kind of keep you in check or are you, are you changing it up as you go? Like what, how, what's your uh, tips on time management? Because one of the things we hear from artists a lot, we don't have enough time Mm -hmm. and, and I feel I'm on a hamster wheel and just not achieving the goals that we want. That's what we hear a fair bit from artists. So how do you, how do you kind of make sure you're hitting your mark and, and are you, you know, having a re- weekly routine songwriting on this day, video on this day? Uh, how are you, what's the magic? If yeah. we were organized enough and we were those types of people where so we could just like stick to a schedule, that would be so great. But, you know, I think for us, it's like, so long as you accomplish something like, that day you set your mind to do to get something done even if it's just one thing just get it done so maybe one day it's we need to sit down and write and so we write a song Mm -hmm. or we need to get the vocals done today or we're filming the video or like we're getting the zine done just every day make sure that you're getting at least one thing done maybe make like a priority list because some things it's like they take precedence like timeline wise so maybe just make sure those things that you know they're going to take a while for you to uh finish just make sure you get those done and like just yeah have priorities that you kind of check off but also i think another thing is uh yeah like know when to let go of something that that's always my hardest thing is like i could literally work on a track for like like months if I if I really just sat down and was like nitpicking every little thing but also at a certain point it's like okay am I just like messing with this and it's like there's no like there's no end in sight you can't tell if you're making it better yeah worse at a certain point yeah you just have to be like all right it's done I'm committing to it being done (laughs) and just send the file like get it mixed like that's it you know but yeah I think that's probably number one for me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah that and I've heard so many stories like uh, I know there's one from Panic at the Disco where they were talking about prior to being signed that uh, they actually would be in the studio longer because they could and then being signed it's like nope five o'clock today because you're going on the road it's done and they needed that they actually said we actually needed to have somebody say it's done because they were like could we have another vocal harmony on this and, <laughs> and get stuck in there forever I've been in that type of situation and and Chris can attest to that that's an inside inside joke with Chris uh yeah we, there we can talk a little bit at the end about that kind of stuff but uh also a couple things to note um I'm, I'm also curious as then what do you see where do you see yourselves 12 months from now because it's so easy to kind of get stuck in the moment and and not really project like where are you going to be in 12 months uh where would you where would you like to see yourselves in 12 months from now Hmm. well Well, we know we're going to have new music out which means we're going to have new videos and you know we're i'm actually really happy with the life that we have if it sounds so weird like i love seeing things progress and keep you know, building on things. And and that's something with social media that you see is like, there's accounting for numbers and you can see how well things are doing just by checking your socials. So you can see growth, but I'm not so much talking about that. Like I have faith that if we just keep doing what we're doing, that we will see growth and just, I just hope that, yeah, we keep up this pace and uh I can see ourselves 12 months from now doing the exact yeah. same thing we're, we're just gonna keep throwing pasta noodles at keep the wall throwing noodles <laughs> yeah the wall. that's just what we're gonna be doing in 12 months probably yeah. <laughs> well well speaking of your socials it, it, the one thing that I gotta say is that you know maybe it's conscious or not but the branding that you've been putting together the the imagery has been great you know and and it falls along a lot of times with the cutout zine kind of look the black and white little bit of color 
Um, how did that evolve? Like, how did you make that conscious decision? Because it's actually really well done, especially your Instagram account. Um, you, you know, how, how did, how did uh, that come about? Um, well, I think part of it was like when we knew we wanted to be a part of this like zine culture, riot girl movement, we're not like reinventing the wheel with mm -hmm. our aesthetic. And um, if you look back at artists from the 90s, that was sort of a thing that they were already doing. So we're just kind of taking that and making it our own. Maybe we made it a little darker or a little, I don't know, gossier <laughs> maybe. Um, but a big part of that was also, you know, like all our press photos and stuff. It's like my dad behind this point and shoot camera that you found in the garbage, literally. Yeah. Like, it's literally like when you're doing things yourself, you're like, you know what, if I can choose an aesthetic where it's actually a good thing, if it looks kind of crappy, it looks like it's <laughs> intentionally crappy, yeah. then even if it's crappy, it's a win situation. Yeah. So yeah. I think that was a part of it where we're like, we can execute this ourselves and we know how to achieve this look. And it kind of just grew from there. It, it's just wild. Cause yeah, like, like, um, at, at the start of when we were kind of like getting like thoughts on like what the new band should like look like and stuff was yeah like peak probably like locked down no one was doing anything so we just spent so much time watching like every single freaking documentary on YouTube about like Black Flag when they came up or like yeah Bikini Kill and just yeah like all the artwork uh that is involved in that kind of like DIY punk scene is really cool because it's yeah it's usually like a copy of a copy of a copy Xerox a thousand times like yeah so just that whole kind of like style was really inspiring to us and yeah it's something if you're DIY it's like you were saying it's kind of like you can take something and it's not that hard to make it look really good uh even though it's basically just been like degraded <laughs> to the max so it's yeah. empowering too because then it's like tools that everybody has even if you don't have a scanner you probably live in a city where there's a library with a scanner or something mm -hmm. you know so it's like kind of something that everyone can get into right and you said you allowed fans to submit artwork and and it starts becoming this sort of culture um which, which is actually really reminds me of those zine days and uh Saturdays was like the zine day at the venue. It was all ages and everybody had tables and everybody was really proud of what they made. And I think that that's something that is actually exciting to kind of bring back that vibe um, because there's sort of been a lack of creativity in, you know, postering doesn't seem to be a thing anymore. Flyering doesn't seem to be a thing anymore. There's no CDs anymore. Like, there's I, I've, I've sort of felt that there's sort of been this lack of this extension of music, which is the visual artistic side. Um, so I'm really happy to see that you're bringing that back. And, and I think that that's going to be real exciting uh, where you can go there. Um, mm -hmm. There's an artist I worked with called Double Experience and they play comic cons like they tour comic cons. Uh, they even named their band Double Experience. If you think experience points in a game, right? Like that's, oh, that's yeah. There it is, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. But that's the thing is that you can find your own niche and your own market, and that's where I think you can be really yourselves without having to be the fabricated industry mm -hmm. uh, type of band. And and again, your message is is really cool. So I do want to talk a little bit more about the message behind the lyrics. Uh, because it's really important and I want to give you the platform to to be able to talk a bit about it because if anybody listens to the actual lyrics man it's really heavy so um, is there anything that you want to share about like the the inspiration of this because I think it's an important message thank you Daryl um yeah you know the the life in this band i think it's like we obviously both love making music but soft cult is our form of activism for the two of us so we 
you know, as teenagers, we would write, you know, love songs or like, oh, this guy doesn't like me back and all this stuff. But as we got older and matured more, had more life experience, we realized that being artists, people do look up to you, even if it's just a small fan base, but you have like an opportunity to raise awareness about things that matter to you. Um, and some of the things that really matter to us because it's impacted our lives personally would be, you know, sexism, misogyny, uh, racism, homophobia, just injustices on minorities and just groups of people that have been kind of really uh, taken for a ride. And so we write songs about stuff like gender violence and gaslighting or I don't know, just songs that will raise awareness and also make you think about those things. And it's not meant to be like pointing the finger like at anyone. It's more like we just all need to think about this so much more and talk about it and kind of lift the veil, like lift this taboo around these conversations. Otherwise, it's just going to be the same old thing over and over again. So that's what soft call is to us is it's like an opportunity to kind of bring people in, get them hooked on the music and then get them hooked on like the ideas and the messages and hopefully feel empowered after. Yeah. Cause I think, yeah, like kind of what Sage is saying is it's like, um, yeah, just, just where we're at in life right now, it feels a lot more rewarding to actually write music with, with a message that we can stand behind and it's like regardless of how successful it would be or anything like that it's kind of like we still are proud to make it because we stand behind it and we know it's something uh yeah that just means a lot to us more than writing like um like a breakup song or something like that and there's nothing wrong with those songs either because they're meaningful in their own way too but yeah just for where we're at right now this is like kind of what we need to do being also like living representation of what we're talking about. We don't take that lightly. Like we know that just by being women in the industry and we represent a group of people that uh, deserve a voice and to those people, we kind of are that voice in some way. So it's an opportunity to represent for people and hopefully change perspectives or even just challenge perspectives you know and those are also our favorite bands that in the past have done that mm -hmm. so it's kind of like yeah you you want to be your own favorite band you know what yeah. I mean like you want to be your own favorite band so yeah we just that's kind of what we want to do with our path <laughs> and the the whole activism thing it's like if you're just comfortable where things are at and you're never pushing for more then you, we've seen how easily politically, socially, things can just slide back and we're regressing again. So we feel almost a responsibility to make a change while we have this platform. Um, and hopefully the next wave of artists that come after us will feel the same way and it might be easier for them. <laughs> well, you know, the one thing I gotta say as an observer is uh, the first show at the Drake, people were singing your lyrics right how did that feel especially like if you've got these lyrics with a meaning and then to hear people like first show singing the lyrics that means that they've actually paid attention uh they've been able to digest it a bit maybe think about it uh but how did that feel when when people were singing the lyrics back to you i didn't think anyone there was going to know who we were because it was our first show it was like a showcase type vibe so the fact that we did see some people with our merch and like singing the words and everything it felt amazing yeah it was just really crazy because yeah I I remember yeah we, we like played we finished like our first song and then I just heard the crowd reaction and I was kind of like wait what <laughs> what's happening right now but yeah it, it's just like really cool because yeah especially since it's just been something that we've recorded and then put out online and never seen like actual humans kind of react mm -hmm. to it so yeah that that's that was like insane to see for real I feel like I've had the yeah I've closed my eyes and had that dream so many times yeah it's in real it's really cool and I'll be honest with you Daryl I was so nervous for that show <laughs> I was like shaking in my boots so nervous <laughs> and so having people 
after the songs, it's like my worst fear is that it's just dead quiet. You know what I mean? And no one is like really feeling it. So having the crowd be that supportive was just like a big relief, yeah, I guess. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, I just want to remind everybody, like, was that two weeks ago, three weeks ago, maybe it was your first show. <laughs> right yeah yeah and so you've you basically have done about four shows five shows i think but also what's really impressive is um and if you could talk about this type of experience is a live stream with amazon uh featuring kerrang magazine uh i think the bbc the cbc uh some more upcoming stuff like how's this sort of been taken where it's like wow like the amount of reaction in the press and and getting that push out there to the audiences. What's what's that been like? I think we honestly have to really give it up for like our uh, our our marketing team at uh, Easy Life and then Nicole and Chris, our label or our managers. Uh, they're like really, really, I don't know. They just like are really, really getting us like great opportunities. And then yeah, it's, it's things that like with our prior project, we've always like we always hoped we could do, but it was just like it never really happened. So, yeah, there is know. like an imposter syndrome where you're like, yeah, that's a goal one day that maybe we might be able to hit. And then when the people around you are like, no, no, we're going for it now. It's validating when you see those wins coming in. And yeah, I get excited every time because it it just means that like people believe in us and it's validating to us too and to me it kind of just shows like like maybe as an artist uh you want to surround yourself with people that do believe in you and like make sure the people on your team actually are like behind your vibe and your message and stuff because then all those opportunities just come so much easier instead of you having to fight to be like no like this is like what I don't know trying to explain yourself to people Mm -hmm. versus people just kind of getting it and then rolling with it but yeah yeah if you could talk a bit about that like the the importance of the right team and building that team around you um I know you've been working with Nicole and Chris uh, as they're they're being your managers uh and I was alluding to like I've, I've actually known Chris because he was like the engineer producer of the first band I played in Toronto years ago and Nicole yeah. talked at Indie Week and that's how I believe we met uh she was on a panel at the Drake Hotel I believe mm-hmm. 2004 while ago we're uh, (laughs) leaving at that uh but yeah so so they've been really supportive uh and I know in talking to them that like the amount of care that they have for you uh can you talk about surrounding yourself and building that team uh because that's the extension of the art right Mm -hmm. there we were really lucky from the get-go because we met Chris and Nicole when we were 16 or something like that so we were really young and I think every parent's worst nightmare when their kids are like trying to get into the music industry or whatever is they're gonna get surrounded by the wrong people and then sucked into you know unhealthy lifestyles get some like greasy sleazy manager like like, stealing all your money (laughs) for all your words and stuff and we are so lucky that Chris and Nicole were the first people that really believed in us, other than our parents. Obviously, your parents are like your first supporters. <laughs> but Chris and Nicole in the industry were like the first people that really lit that fire in us so we could see it in ourselves. Because I truly think if they hadn't approached us and, you know, we were just teenagers, we, we were like happy to just play our local shows and kind of be the cock of the walk, you know, in our hometown. And Chris and Nicole were the ones that really pushed us to dream bigger and go beyond that and um, make the right moves. Yeah. Uh, so that was the most important relationship industry-wise, I think, that we could have had at that time because Chris was producing our old band mm-hmm. stuff. And so we got, you know, experience in a studio with a producer and he has just supported us so much, just all on belief, just like believing that this project could work. And he still has the same energy with soft call. Same with Nicole, like she's able to talk to people like you and bring you in. And now you're like part of the team and we're all, you know what I mean? It's like, those things are so important. Um, so I think even, especially as kids, it was 
important to have people believe in us that much and kind of guide us through the industry. But now as adults, I'm finding it really important too, because, you know, the pandemic happening, for example, or grinding away at a band for 10 years and then starting over, it's like, unless there are people in your life that are like, you can do it, stop making excuses, just do it. Then you might just give up on yourself or on your dreams. Mm -hmm. So, and that's, I think, yeah, the importance of having like a team that like believes in you is so important because yeah otherwise it's like like and you know we fell victim to it too like when you're a kid you're so impressionable and like it's so easy to to take what what certain people say or like how they see you and then kind of get lost in it and lose touch with like who you want to be as an artist but if your team kind of sees you for you Mm -hmm. and they encourage you to just follow what's inside like your own voice then yeah it's just like it's just gonna work because everyone's on the same page so that Chris and Nicole also motivated us to do things ourselves as well because you know before we were like well maybe we should wait to do this video because we you know we can't hire like a crew of people to do it right now because of COVID and stuff and it was always like nope not gonna fly you can do it (laughs) you know what I mean just figure it out (laughs) and I'm so happy that that happened because now I wouldn't change a thing and a lot of artists are being more hands-on with their work because like you referenced it earlier but sometimes you know there can be an idea there but it's lost in translation when it gets to the video format or Mm -hmm. you know so being in charge of your own art and everything like that it just ensures that the intended message or the aesthetic or whatever gets across Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and like I said, Chris and, and Nicole have been great in working with you. And I, I could see that from, you know, uh, on the outside. Um, but also think about like, you know, having somebody to be able to talk business or talk mm-hmm. deals. Um, how important has that been? Have you been really involved in the negotiations or like how hands on are you with that part of things? Yeah, we try like a team of four, you know. <laughs> And so they are the ones that are kind of coming up with some really good ideas or making those connections. But we talk about everything, everything's transparent. And um, I feel like as teenagers, maybe they were protecting us a little bit more of stuff like that. But now that we're older and we're all adults and we're able to talk it through and we trust them like genuinely, because I don't think there's many people that would have stuck by us as long as they have mm-hmm. um, and they don't get enough credit or like compensation or anything. So it, it, we definitely trust their judgment. And a lot of the time, the conversations are kind of Phoenix and me being like, well, what do you think is the best <laughs> way to go about this, you know? But yeah, that's, once again, that's why it's good to like, if say like you're starting out and you don't really know the industry or like what standard like all these things it's good to have someone in your corner that knows these things and you trust them like they're you know they're not just going to be feeding you garbage like that's important. And next time around let's say you know I'm trying to figure something out on my own then I'll know what the standard is and I'll know I'm not getting taken advantage of by someone else so mm-hmm. it's been honestly like a crash course in just the industry and um, there's so many different behind the scenes facets of the industry so and that's we only know a small portion of that like there's even more that we're just like what (laughs) yeah I I think that's natural for everybody because there's always there's always something new coming something new coming and like who knew TikTok was coming who knew you know metaverse is coming like we're always going to be learning right so so anyways I wanted to just say, say that that team building aspect, you know, I want to get that message out to the audience in the sense that, you know, it's so important to have that trust. And it's so important to have that team, uh, knowing somebody's got your back, but also aligned in the same values and and protects that I think is is really important, you know. Um, So coming up, again, I can't believe how fast things go. It's like, five to the hour, we could talk forever, I know. Uh, So, uh, tours coming up i just want some people have been joining us us when are you sorry it's uk first i believe Mm -hmm. what are the dates uh for uk tour 
So the first date is May 10th and it's going all the way through the 19th. So nine dates in the UK and then we're going to Bangkok. Uh, is that the 23rd of May? <laughs> Something like that. So yeah. I think it's the 23rd. So we're flying from, you know, London Gatwick to Bangkok and then we're coming home for like three days and then we're going on tour in the USA uh, until the end of June. Wow, that's awesome. And somebody's asking, you might not know this, but uh, I know Zach, oh, Zach's already on it. He put a link. Somebody was asking, where are you playing in the UK? I think we've got some UK listeners. So uh, Zach already put the link to, to your website so they can all find it there. Um, any last comments? Uh, is there any last sort of bit of advice or statement that you want to leave with our audience? Um, if In case this wasn't clear, like, becoming DIY and just trusting ourselves more with being more hands-on with our work, not just the music, but all the other aspects of it. It's transformed us as people. Like I just have so much more confidence in myself and it's changed our lives because I think it, it taught us a really valuable lesson at a very important time in our lives. So if you're ever wondering, can I do it? Can I do it alone? Do I have the skills? The answer might be, no, you don't have the skills yet, but we live in this age of the internet where you can look things up with a quick search and uh, honestly, you can do it. So I, I, that's what I want to leave with everyone is yeah. if you're wondering, just do it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I had to fix my garage door. I've never done that before. YouTube, five minutes, and, and I'm a garage door opener, closer, fixer. Uh, you never know. And, and the one thing that I want to say, a good friend of mine, uh, Martin Atkins, says uh, he's got this saying, Githwittis, good things happen when you do stuff. <laughs> basically, nothing happens when you don't. So, uh, I think a big thing that a lot of arts or people in the arts has is this sort of self fear of, can I actually be successful at doing something that I create? And, and often it's in our own heads that we convince ourselves to not do, to not try and, and so on. So I think that uh, I have to say that I have a lot of respect for both of you in seeing what you've been able to do over the last two years. Uh, I've known a good part of your career so to sort of see how that story has developed to now, but uh, I, I'm really, like I say, I have lots of respect for what you guys have done and I love the music. I hope everybody here goes to Soft Cult's website and Spotify uh, and do check out the videos. The videos are really cool and note self-produced, self-everything. So <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. You've been listening to the Indie Weekly Podcast. Be sure to visit IndieWeek.com for all the information on the conferences for 2022. Screen by Screen, Music and Tech in February. Indie 101, Music and Business Education in May. Music Pro Summit, high-level music industry insight from professionals in September. And Indie Week brings it all together in November. Thanks for listening. <laughs>